Thank you for joining us at the First Baptist Church of Coleraine, Massachusetts, as Pastor Jim Rennie continues to faithfully challenge and encourage us in the Word. And it is our prayer that this message will encourage the believer and bring the unbeliever closer to a saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. All right, we'd like to thank each and every one of you for tuning in to the First Baptist Church, listening wherever you may be. Welcome, one and all. We appreciate that. We are studying through the book of Hebrews, and uh, today we're looking into chapter 5. Going to read the whole chapter. Read from verse 1, of course. Every high priest is selected from among men and is appointed to represent them in matters related to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and going astray. Since he himself is subject to weakness, this is why he has to offer sacrifices for his own sins as well as for the sins of the people. No one takes this honor upon himself. He must be called by God, just as Aaron was. So Christ also did not take upon himself the glory of becoming a high priest, but God said to him, You are my son. Today I have become your father. And he says in another place, You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions, petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him and was designated by God to be high priest in the order of Melchizedek. We have much to say about this, but it is hard to explain because you are slow to learn. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truth of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. May God give us understanding of his wonderful word this morning. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. 
And Father, so thankful to be here now to the Lord on the Lord's day, the best place we could possibly be. The best place we could possibly be on any day is in the center of your will, where we can find peace for our minds and rest for our souls. And we ask you to speak through this message as we study the fifth chapter of the book of Hebrews. In Jesus' name, amen. Chapter 4, you may remember, close with a description of uh, Jesus' humanity, allowing him to totally, completely understand, which he does, how we feel and feel and sympathize with our struggles, with temptations, because he experienced all that uh, because he became a man, yet he was without sin. Now, chapter 5, it mainly uh, focuses on Jesus as the great high priest. So there's number one in your handout. Mainly focuses on Jesus as the great high priest. He fully qualifies to communicate between God, the Father, and man, because Jesus was both. He is both God and man. And like the Old Testament priests of old, and two have been mentioned here, which we'll get to in a minute, they had to be appointed by God. You know, it wasn't any Tom, Dick or Harriet that could uh, take that position as a, as a high priest. They had to be appointed by God to offer sacrifices for the sins of the people. Now Jesus is fully qualified because he offered himself for the sins of all mankind on the cross. Amen? You believe that? The Messiah, which he is, which he was, which he always has been, had to be human. He had to become a human being to be able to be the great high priest, the mediator between a holy God and sinful man. Jesus bridged that gap on that cross, remember? To bring us and reconcile us to God once again. Now we, we were separated from God because of our sins, but now he brought us together through that sacrifice. For there is one God, not three, there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus. That's in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. Jesus' status as the great high priest is far superior than any other priest, including the first one, which was Aaron, and the other one that's been mentioned here, Melchizedek. Melchizedek was a type of Christ. But they weren't perfect. They had to have their own sins forgiven before they could go in and offer sins, sacrifices for the sins of the people. Verse 7, it says, During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. 
he's talking about his father who sent him. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. So the writer here, we don't know who he is, describes Jesus crying out to God the Father in the Garden of Gethsemane prior to his arrest and crucifixion. You know, he knew he had to go to the cross and he knew exactly what that ordeal was going to entail and the, the price he would have to pay. And uh, in his humanity, he said, uh, well, this, what did he say? In Luke's version, there's also another one in Matthew, Luke 22, 39 to 44, this is the story when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he asked his disciples to watch and pray. And what did they do? Fall asleep. <laughs> they fell asleep. He couldn't rely on anybody. So where did he go? He went to prayer. We should do the same. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, which is Gethsemane, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew some, a stone's throw beyond them. He knelt down and prayed. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. If there'd been another way for sinners to be forgiven, Jesus wouldn't have needed to go to the cross. But he knew there was no other way. And it wasn't easy. There was no other way. He knew that. Because without the shedding of his sinless blood, he alone was the perfect sacrifice who offered himself. No one forced him to do it. He willingly offered himself for all of humanity. If only they would believe and receive him and be saved. Verse 8. Son, though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. Now this is a difficult verse to comprehend because we know that Jesus was always obedient to his Father's will. Amen? But the concept of learning obedience is tied to the idea of experiencing suffering. And no one suffered like Jesus Christ. In Jesus' case, putting into practice what he was called to do. When he suffered on that cross, to be obedient to his father who sent him. 
says that in verse 9, and being made perfect, he, be, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Eternal salvation. So what, how, long is it, how long is eternity? Forever and ever and ever. This is not just referring to when uh, we got saved. Not just referring to the eternal salvation we received by believing faith in Jesus Christ, but also the believer's ongoing sanctification process. We are being sanctified through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. When we receive Jesus, we receive the Holy Spirit and we are born again. Amen? God lives in us. And from that moment, we're able to be conformed to the image of Christ. In other words, to be made more like Jesus by being obedient to God's commands. To be more like Jesus. There's number four. You know, one of the many blessings, and there's so many blessings that we have because of Christ, when we receive Jesus as our saviour, is we are adopted into his family. And that enables us to come to God in prayer through the great high priest, the Lord Jesus, to confess our sins. This is something we need to do on a daily basis because every day we sin in one form or another. And because of our position as a child of God, we can approach him, not timidly, like a little worm, you know. We can approach him boldly, boldly, knowing that he is able to forgive us of our trespasses and also give us the power to successfully live out God's will for our lives. God has got a plan for each one of our lives. If we want it. If we want it. And this is why the writer urges his readers to grow in their faith, to grow in their faith. And I've titled this message, Babies Prefer Milk, Not Meat. Because these people that the writer is writing to, they were like spiritual babies. They never grew up. They never matured in their faith. In verse 11, he says, we... I don't know who the other person was. We have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. They never attempted to grow in their faith. The reason it was hard to explain to his readers spiritual truth was because they were dull of hearing. I think the authorised version said they were dull of hearing, and otherwise they were slow. 
They were apathetic. They were like lukewarm and neither hot nor cold. They didn't even try, he said. They, didn't, they gave up trying to understand spiritual truths they, because they become lazy, lazy. They were just content to drink the milk of the word and not eat the meat. He's not saying that they were stupid. He's not saying that they were incapable of understanding the truth, but they were so apathetic, they, they didn't have any interest in learning more about the things of the Lord. In verse 12, he says, in fact, though by this time, you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. In other words, they were spiritually immature, spiritually immature. You know, whereas I do, that newborn babies need milk because they're not mature enough to process solid food. But as time passes, they need to grow. They need to grow and to move on to something more substantial in order to grow up and mature. In the same way, a Christian spiritual growth begins, it starts with the simple things that are taught in the Bible. As Peter says in his first letter in chapter 2, he's referred to the simple things, the elementary things, as milk, the milk of the word. He says, like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. So over a period of time, spiritual growth should occur when a believer not only understands the word of God, but also puts it into practice. So there's number seven. Some of those Christian Hebrews had been saved for a long time. They should have been out of diapers. And they should have been able to teach others. But instead, they were like spiritual infants, even though they'd been saved for many, many years. They never learned enough they didn't even try hard enough to be able to teach other people. They just wanted to be breastfed without putting in the effort to eat the meat of the word. Amen. We, we just finished the book of Revelation. You don't get, that's about as meaty as you can get in the, in the word of God. 
And uh, some people couldn't tolerate it because they still like to drink the milk. Verse 13. It says, anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. And just as a child needs to be trained to progress from milk to meat, so too must a Christian's spiritual maturity grows through hearing the word of God and then putting it into practice. All right? It's one thing to hear it, and there's another thing to put it into practice. Amen? So they had no excuses. Having that apathetic attitude. They'd been saved, many of them, for a long time. But remember this. Spiritual maturity has nothing to do with age or the length of time a person has been a Christian. Let me say that again. Spiritual maturity has nothing to do with age or the length of time a person has been a Christian. Or you can have new converts, people that have been saved very recently, or not for very long, and they know more about God and the Bible than some believers that have been saved for years and years who are just content to be fed on the milk instead of eating steak. Verse 14, final verse. But solid food, the milk, the meat of the word, solid food is for the mature who, by constant use, have trained themselves to distinguish good and evil. In other words, spiritual maturity involves developing the ability to put our faith into action, to put our faith into practice. I read a good illustration familiar story to some, talks about a Scotsman who operated a, a rowboat to transport passengers across the river. On one oar, you call them paddles over here, in this here United States, you call them paddles, where I'm from we call them oars. On one paddle, he had written the word faith. While on the other paddle, he wrote the word works. So you got faith and works. What's the point of the story? Good question. Of course, that pulling on either or alone would simply make one go round and round in circles. Amen? But while you use both oars, they must be used at the same time in order to progress forward. Otherwise, you don't make any 
progress at all. You see the point? It requires us to use the greatest spiritual tool available. What is that? The word of God. Amen? You're not going to be fed just by a preacher on Sunday morning. You've got to be in the word yourselves each and every day and not just read it and forget about it, but put it into practice. And then we will grow in our faith. We'll become more mature, spiritually mature. We'll get off the milk and we'll get into the word and understand spiritual truths and not be spiritually ignorant, a spiritual babe. We'll put on the, the big, big boy's trousers or the big girl's skirts, not the guy's. Although today you'll never know. <laughs> That's another story. I don't get into it. So, the Bible. We need to get out of our diapers, grow up, mature spiritually. The end result is a person will not only distinguish between good and bad, between truth and error between right and wrong, but also discern the meaning of what's written in the word of God and then do what it says. That's spiritual maturity. And we're, we're commanded, read that today in Second Peter chapter 3, the end, it says, grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me close a few verses. James, first book that I preached on when I came here. So practical. James chapter 1, verse 22. This is for us. This is for believers. This is relevant today. This book, as it was when it was first written. Do not merely listen to the word and, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. So we want to be blessed, don't we? We want to be blessed. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, again, we're so thankful to be here. We thank you for your word. Thank you that it's applicable and practical. And uh, the tools, the resources are available to us, unlike some people that don't have the 
Bible in their own language. Some people can't can't uh, read because they don't have the Bible. Even if they had one, they couldn't read it. They have to be taught how to read it. But once we've been saved, we need to get off the milk, the elementary things of the word, and progress and mature. And that's something we all need to do by putting your word into practice, not just reading it, which we ought to do, but to put it into practice and thereby grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. There's so much to learn and uh, the knowledge of Christ is inexhaustible and we'll spend an eternity finding out about who God is. And we thank you that you've revealed yourself through your son who became a man and suffered and died in our place to bring us to God. The great high priest that we can come to, the father through him each and every day. I want to address those of you that are unsaved, you don't know, you've never received Jesus Christ as your personal savior. Uh, you're missing out on true peace and contentment. And, and uh, you can receive Jesus as your savior simply by believing, by believing faith in what he did on that cross. He suffered and died because he loves you. He died in your place so you wouldn't have to pay the price, pay the penalty for your sins. He did that on the cross for you. And now, if you reject him, then obviously God will reject you. And you'll remain in your sins, and you'll be separated from God for all eternity. And God is not willing that you should perish in your sins, but that you should be saved. All you need to do is believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead and you call upon his name to save you and he will if you truly believe he is the son of God. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you and thank you. Thank you again for tuning in. You can find our podcasts on Apple Podcasts and anywhere else you find podcasts. We'd love for you to join us at the First Baptist Church in Coleraine for Sunday morning worship at 11 a.m. We are located at 81 Foundry Village Road, Coleraine, Massachusetts. If you have any questions or inquiries, please feel free to call the church at 413-624-8886. Hope to see you soon. God bless.